Blog Talk Radio. It's time for the Don Adams Sweet Tea, the talk show. On EOTM Radio. Let's talk about it. Dime sex 
Since I've been stretching So many years of depression Make me vision The better living Type of place to raise kids in Opening eyes to the lives History's so foul But I'm as wise as the old owl Plus the gold child Seeing things like I was controlling Click rolling Tricking six digits on kicks And still holding Tricks to Paris I civilize every savage Give me one shot I turn trite life to lavish Political prisoners Set free Stress free No work police Purple and threes and jet skis Fill the wind breeze in West Indies I think Coretta Scott King Mayor the cities and reverse things to Willie's It sound foul but every girl I meet to go downtown I'd open every cell in Attica Send them to Africa Imagine that If I 
Hey, hey, what's up, family? Welcome to another edition of the Don Adams Jr. Talk Show. I'm not going to surprise you with the great news, but guess what? I am he. Hey, the blog room is open, too, family, for those of you who like to blog in and uh, chat online with the brother while he's doing his thing. Got another hot topic lined up for you, as always. Well, you know, all my topics are hot, so it just is what it is. Uh, with that being said, I want to take the time out, as I always do, and welcome you all uh, to the show. Uh, you know, I, 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 you know, and I'm serious about this. For those who normally listen in, uh, you know that I, I always start my shows out, and, and I'm, you know, very serious about this. But about time, uh, time being the most valuable uh, commodity um, that we have, because I know that uh, there's numerous places uh, that many of you who have decided to tune in could be, uh, but you decided for whatever reason tune in to the Don Adams Jr. Talk Show and to allow me to share my time with you as well as to have you share your time with me. So I always like to say thank you uh, to the family out there um, for sharing their time with me. Um, with that being said, I want to go ahead and give out my normal acknowledgments to the EOTM uh, family. Uh, as always, I start out with our fearless leader, Carla B., uh, Ronnie, First Lady GPT, Queen G on the West Coast. Uh, Queen G, for those of you who don't know, is a part of the EOTM family. She is the brother, I'm sorry, the sister of uh, the recording artist, uh, I think his name is Tyrese Gibson. That's right, I said Tyrese Gibson's sister. She's also a part of the EOTM family uh, on the West Coast Connection. I want to send shouts out to Q, our lady Q. It's a new addition to the show, uh, to the EOTM family as well. A very inspirational woman, uh, well-spoken, uh, well-groomed, and perfectly cut out, I believe, for what's, whatever's going to be happening with EOTM. Uh, I'm not going to forget about my man, Jimmy Baker. Um, outstanding brother. You know, the brother's on fire out there. Uh, and I'm sure he's hanging close to the tutelage of Carla B., who's now located on the West Coast as well. Um, man, shouts out to my man, Jimmy Baker. And, of course, I am not going to forget... My man Ron, who is here in the Atlanta area with me, Don EOTM Adams, and his sidekick, Mother Jenkins. Uh, man, shouts out to you too as well. Um, show information www.eotmradio.com, or you can go to www.queensofinternetradio.com. And family, for those of you who are listening that decide that you want to call in, as always, uh, the call in number for tonight, 718. 718- Six six four six five four three. I'm gonna say it again. Seven one eight six six four six five four three. Looking forward to hearing from you because I think that you know, like, like as well, I think all my topics are hot topics. But um, you know, some people may not be as interested in others as they may be in in, in most, um, and that's fine. But I do believe that tonight's topic is absolutely a hot button. Um, and I try to, and I'm intentionally going to try to strike at the core of who we are as African Americans. That's right, the core of who we are as African Americans. Um, I'll say it again, family. The chat room is open. The blog room is open for those of you who want to chime in and uh, uh, be a part of the show online as far as the discussion goes. Um, I want to send shouts out as well to our family members in the New Zealand area, Jamaica, Australia, and in the UK. That's right. We have listeners, family, that listen in and tune into my show 
on uh, Tuesdays and Fridays uh, in those areas. So I'd like to send shouts out to them to let them know that, hey, Mr. Don EOTM Adams has not forgotten about you as well. Um, usually get some great comments coming out of the New Zealand and the Jamaica area, not to say that the other two aren't important, but uh, those folks down there are on fire. Uh, with that being said, family, let's keep it moving to the highlights of the show. You know, tonight, uh, I t- this, tonight's show is titled uh, The Legacy of the Civil Rights Movement. What have we done with it? You know, and, and I liken that to a phrase that I like to put out there, and I started putting this out there on uh, on, on uh, previous shows. When I talk about rich man, poor, rich man, poor man, um, you know, when the rich father has gone out and worked a lifetime to achieve a financial growth, wealth, and most, what's most important, uh, generational wealth, and left it to his son, and the son inherited all that the father has done, and instead of taking that and growing it, he squanders it. And I say that as a parable to connect to what is, I believe has happened and is going on with the civil rights movement um, in this country. We, our forefathers, who were uh, here in the six, because the, the civil, a lot of people think the sixties, the the, the, the uh, civil rights movement started in the sixties. No, it started in the forties. Uh, in 1948 is when uh, actually it started before 1948, but it started in the forties, uh, or better yet, truly started uh, when the slaves that we had here were were released from slavery, from bondage, when the when the Thirteenth Amendment was finally uh, signed and ratified or however you want to look at it, and um, slavery was abolished. It's actually when it started in my mind. But it didn't come to light until 1948, and I've got the timelines and everything else that I need to support that. But I invite uh, those of you who, out, who are out there who are uh, 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 educational buffs, computer whizzes, however you want to define yourself, I invite you to join in on this discussion, 718-664-6543. But let me go ahead with my point, which is civil rights movement started in, in 1948. Actually, technically was recognized in 1948. Um, but what has happened is that those people that came before us in the 60s and the 70s, I'm sorry, in the, in the 50s and the 60s, that made the sacrifices that were made in order for this generation that I'm in right now to be able to achieve and accomplish all of the things that we have achieved and accomplished have what have we done with that? The sacrifices were made, the road, the pathway was laid, and we have come and benefited, okay, on more than one front. We have benefited because of those sacrifices. Now, the question in my mind becomes, what in the hell have we done with those benefits? What in the hell have we done as a people with the achievements that have been laid out before us. We've educated ourselves. We now have more people of color, whether you're black, Hispanic, uh, Polynesian, whatever you want to be identified with. Uh, We have more people of color in positions of authority within our government, uh, working on our police forces, working uh, in our system. Hell, we have the first true, they used to say Bill, and they used to piss me off when they say Bill Clinton was the first black president. No, he was not in my mind. I don't see anything great about what Bill Clinton did. Uh, you know, a lot of women m- might be happy with him because he put, you know, he, he supposedly put a lot of teeth into the child support system. But um, let me tell you all something. 
since that has happened, more and more black men have become more incarcerated, have become incarcerated, lost their driver's license. They even had a man kill himself because of child support. Uh, it's gotten ridiculous. It's out of control. A lot of y'all don't know that. But to me, no, he wasn't the first black president. Barack Obama is the first black president, true black president of this country. And that tells me that there has been movement. But, you know, it's not movement that I think, uh, and, 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 and for purposes of this show, when I say what have we done, it's not on an individual level. I think it's on a group level. So for those of you who are listening, I want you to approach this situation. Take your personal self out of the situation. That's how we always do. We always say, well, I want, I want. Let's, let's not talk about I tonight. Let's talk about us, which is what I think it should be about, us as a group. And when I say us as a group, you know, if you look at a football team, if you have a football team on the field and somebody goes up and wants to attack the quarterback, let me tell you all something. The rest of the team is going to come out and kick your ass. And it ain't going to be a pretty picture. So let's go with a team concept. If Let's not say I, I need, I want. Let's say us. So us as a people, what have we done? What have we accomplished? That's the topic, family, of tonight's show. All right? So I'm going to take a fast break, as always. And when we come back, I'm going to take the gloves off, and I'm going to chop it up. And hopefully I'll have some folks that want to chime in on the line. And don't forget, the chat room is open. The chat room is open for for those of you who like to chat, and for those of you who want to call in and give up some of your opinion on this topic, 718-664-6543. You're listening to the Don Adams Jr. Talk Show, and I'm keeping it real. Mm. That's right. Reality checking on this. Street lights, huh? Nuka. Used to dream of being rich Having a lot of houses and cars Couldn't know which one to switch And finding me a chick and getting hitched Living the fairy tale life perfect without a ditch You think that this would bring me happiness If at the end of every rainbow There was a treasure chest Sometimes having more is really less Take a look inside yourself You realize you're really blessed No matter how you're sad and blue There's always someone who has it worse than you Sometimes you gotta pay your dues So don't worry, just push on through Gotta big up all my people who be working on the future Though they know they gotta struggle Keeping it real So all my homies working on the 9 to 5 And doing right to keep themselves up out of trouble Keeping it real Although sometimes I know it seems impossible There ain't no need in counting in your sorrow Keeping it real If things are as bad as they can be You could be sure to be a brighter tomorrow I never got to have myself the house, the mansion, and the bed I'm not the kind of brother who be making mad at I got myself a girl, but we be kicking it as friends It's not enough, we made it out the pens again Not everything you want is everything you really need The standard of society is motivated by greed Are you prepared to follow them? Are you prepared to leave? It's a persevering use of speed Gotta dig up all my people who be working on the future Though they know they gotta struggle To all my homies working on the 9 to 5 And doing right to keep themselves up out of trouble Although sometimes I know it seems impossible There ain't no need in drowning in your sorrow If things are as bad as they can be You could be sure to be a brighter tomorrow All the harsh realities appear to come in twos and threes Don't worry cause there'll be a better day 
one thing I can promise you, just keep on keeping on. I swear to you, there's gonna be a brighter day. lead out with that because you know I love some public enemy especially when they talk about uh 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 the United States of the the good old USA of America however y'all want to clarify that but let me just put this disclaimer out there because you know usually I have some controversial controversial shows and I I don't mind putting my disclaimer out there as I'm told to do so uh the thoughts and opinions of this host are not necessarily connected to all of those that are affiliated with EOTM basically family as always if you don't like what I have to say Oh, well, but don't go flagging everybody else on EOTM and labeling them as liberals and all this other stuff because I'm the only true liberal on this that's connected with EOTM. That's what I get paid for is to be the flabbermouth liberal that I am. So with that being said, I hope that you all enjoy the rest of the show. Uh, now, with that being said, we got the disclaimer out of the way. All right, family. You know, before we went to the commercial break, and by the way, you listen to the Don Adams Jr. talk show, before we went to the commercial break, you know, we were talking about the civil rights movement, and here's where, we're, here's where I'm coming from with this one. The American civil rights movement, nevertheless, left a permanent mark on American society. The most overt forms of racial discrimination came to an end. Listen to what I'm saying, family. The most overt, the most obvious forms of racial discrimination had come to an end, and racial violence declined immeasurably. You know, what they're saying is back in the day, family, if they saw a Negro or a black person, they used to say, hey, for the hell of it or the fun of it, let's hang him, string him up, and go about our business. It was nothing to hang a black man or, in some cases, a black woman, a black person from a tree, skin him alive, drag him down the road, tie him to the back of a horse. All types of atrocities were going on 
And this was legal. This is the same legal system that we feed into today. So I'm trying. I'm gonna make a connection for you, family. The same legal system that we feed into today for the probation, the legal system with the police running around, and the judicial system that we use to enforce child support. The same system that said it was okay for these type of atrocities to take place. Guess what? We're now feeding into it. Let's talk about that today. African Americans can can freely exercise their right to vote, and in communities where blacks were once barred from the polls. Blacks are now elected to public offices. Millions of blacks, too, have been lifted out of poverty as a result of many economic opportunities that have been provided and created by the civil rights movement. Also, it's important to note the civil rights movement served as a model for the advancement of, of, of other minority groups, including the women, the disabled, gays, Hispanics, and many others. Despite these gains, the civil rights movement, I still feel, has fallen short on many accounts, and the fight for the equality is far from over. Yet the black freedom struggle achieved something enduring. And I quote this, I, and I want you to quote me on this, it profoundly changed people's attitudes and made the promise of an American dream more of a reality, at least to seem possible for us. And I say that because, we now have our true first black president, as I mentioned on the show, earlier part of the show, is we truly have a true, we, we now only now truly have the first black president of the United States of America, which I think is, 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 is you know, it, it brings tears to my eyes. But at the end of the day, here's the question, family, that I'm asking. But here's the question. As black Americans, what have we done for our people since then? Since the sacrifices that have been laid out for us as blacks, what have we done with those accomplishments? And that's what brought us to the point that we're in and the show that we're on in the show now. And uh, again, I'm, before we get started rocking on it, I'm gonna put it out there. Seven one eight six six five. I'm sorry, six six four six five four three. But before we get started, family, I have a very I have a very good treat lined up for you, young brother, who's very intelligent. Uh, very in tune, brother. Uh, came on to the show with me last week, and uh, he spoke very eloquently. Um, he goes by the title Big Man. Uh, and I had an opportunity to look him up, and he shared with me the fact that he wants to share with you, the EOTM family, uh, some words of his. Uh, and I say this to say, I, and I'm putting it in that in that format because I want him to tell you what he's all about, and I'm going to bring him to the stage because also, family, on Fridays, for those of you who are listening, Fridays is my get out and shout your business out days. For those of you entrepreneurs out there who own a business, who have a business, call into my shows and shout your business out. I'll give you 60 seconds to tell everybody else about your business and tell them what you want to know, what your website is, what your phone number is, what your address is, what state you're in, uh, you know, what kind of car you're driving, whatever it is you want to know, call in and give, and give it up to the family. And so with, any, uh, well, with all of that being said, without any further ado, I'm going to bring this brother on. Big man, how you feeling? Hello? You with us, big man? How you feeling, brother? Yeah, I'm feeling all good today. That's good, that's good. I, you know, I laid the trash out for you as best I could. I, I told the family I was going to bring you to the stage and uh, knew you had some uh, a poem, some poetry that you wanted to put out. And also, man, before you do that, tell the family a little bit about yourself, your poetry, and what you're doing as far as your as far as your career and profession. Go ahead, brother. It's on you. You know, Mr. Big Man is 
a poetry writer that came about. Well, I'm going to say this talent came about several years back during the altercation, you know. Well, I'm going to take it a little depth in there. It, it came, about, came about several years ago within a, within a penal cell. You know what I'm saying? One of my lost loved ones, which I dedicated a book to today, which kind of, you know what I'm saying, inspired me to get into that field of writing the way I do write. You know, he was a rapper and I was a poet. You know, and, and, and it's a trip because, you know, we was like, Next door cellmates, you know, Mr. Big Man ain't gonna specify himself as being a saint, but a, indeed a real person, you know, that goes through life tragedy just as everyone else. As I say, you know, coming into the graphs to learn this poetry situation that I have embedded in me, which I did not know that existed until those times, you know, I morphed from being a youngster with a courageous heart to just do anything to a man with a courageous mind to expand and to feed others from my mind, from what I know and what I've come to learn and what I'm growing to continue to learn. Because these youngsters out there need to know things, just as you speak about the civil rights movement. You know, it's many, I, I know myself many of people that, you know, couldn't tell you nothing about that, you know, as black. And it's kind of crazy in that sense to even be that way. You know, but like I say, as Mr. Big Man, and president right now today, Mr. Big Man is incarcerated if, for those that didn't know, you know, doing some adjusting this situation. And within this poetry, it speaks on it in its entirety, you know, just giving it out in the sense to let people know that, you know, those that get caught in this situation don't tend to judge the character when you really don't know the person. Because sometimes you have to judge those who are judging that character before you can even judge that character, you know. Just a brief message from Mr. Big Man, and we can continue on. Wow, that was powerful there, bro. I like the way you put that. And, that, and you know, something, family, that's why I said that when the brother came onto the show with me last week, um, I can tell, you know, and, and based upon my experiences as, you know, in, in, in my background, just from listening to him within the first five minutes, and everyone should develop this talent if you don't already have it. Within five to ten minutes of talking to someone, you should be able to, to to be able to discern whether or not that person is either at, above, or below where you are socially. And that happens, family. It happens, and that's just a straight-up fact. That tells you how you're going to deal with that person. That tells you whether or not you're going to be with that person. Or, you know, that basically is the blueprint to your relationship with that person. Now, in Mr. Big Man's case, that brother, in my opinion, is above where I'm at. Because he has thought he has thought about some things, some social things that I've never had the opportunity or never had the insight to bring to light. That's why he impressed me, and I felt like you know what, I definitely want to have you back on the show, and I definitely want you to be able to speak your piece and read your poetry and share more of your thoughts. Because you know I'm a different generation from him, I can see that. But you know what, he's still an enlightened part of his generation. This man is a leader, in my opinion. So with that being said, Mr. Big, you got some poetry for us. You want to shout it out? Go with it, bro. Yeah, I got a piece called Stand Up, Black America, right? You know, and I want to uh, let this piece let loose on them, you know, and see what they think about this because it takes you, like, going to your ancestors all the way up, you know. Title piece, Stand Up, Black America. Stand up, Black America. Your ancestors did. John Brown stood front and center, an anti-slave representative who was prepared not to die alone. Stand up, Black America. Harriet Tubman did, a strong-willing black woman who led her people through the Underground Railroad. Stand up, black America. Martin Luther King Jr. did, 
with his dream, leading the civil rights movement team. Stand up, Black America. John H. Johnson did when he published Negro Digest and gave you evidence to relieve stress. Stand up, Black America. Maya Angelou did when she poured his spoken rope, Still I Rise. Stand up, Black America. William Devon did when he saw Be thankful for what you got and let you knew you could still stand tall. Stand up, Black America. Johnny Cochran did as he spoke to fight to free all the blacks he legally represented. Stand up, Black America. Russell Simmons did when he founded Def Jam. Stand up, Black America. See Jack Ellis did as he was voted the first black mayor of Macon, Georgia. Stand up, Black America. Robert Johnson did with the fist, the first black entertainment television and the first urban bank with black sense. Stand up, Black America. Louis Farrakhan did as you marched as a million men on Washington. Stand up, Black America. Don Barton did with the first black-owned casino in the Vegas city of casinos. Stand up, Black America. Al Sharpton did for Gina Six and many other racially disputed acts against blacks. Stand up, Black America. Stanley Tukey Williams did through his blue rays as he professed into black redemption. Stand up, Black America. Gil Scott Heron did as he verbally spoke his poetic songs. Stand up, Black America. Easy he did after he publicized Ruthless Gangster Rap. Stand up, Black America. Barry Gordy did with Motown. Stand up, Black America. Snoop Dogg did as he prolifically flowed. Think about it. Stand up, Black America. Tupac Shakur Machiavelli did against the world. Stand up, Black America. Mr. Big Man did with his new gen reality proverbs, radical rhythm laws. For these two are black American men and women who struggled as you, felt the blackest pain as you, thought as you thought, lived as you lived, turned their frown to smiles as you can, for there are many more of us that shall prosper. Stand up, black America. You have the ambition to overcome and successfully succeed. Stand up, black America. You are the legend that makes history. Stand up, black America. You are somebody, never a nobody. Stand up, black America. You've been on the rise and will continuously to forever be. Stand up, black America. You can't be stopped. Stand up, black America. You won't be stopped. Stand up, black America. You are the greatest of heroes. Stand up, black America. The standing in black America don't stop. Stand up, black America. The polls lost your votes. Stand up, black America. Take that stand. Your vote count whether woman or man. Stand up, black America. You're strong, so you know you can. Stand up, black America. Stand up, black America. Stand up, black America. The tightened fist still stands. Stand up. Stand up, stand up, stand up, Black America, stand up, Black America, stand up, Black America. The Titan fist still stands, Mr. Big Man. Stand up, Black America. <laughs> that was tough, there, man. Yeah. Wow, man, we had to give you the applause on that one, man. That's very powerful, man. And coming from a young brother uh, who's in the current generation of young men that's coming up. Uh, so I know, and one of the um, one of the uh, folks in the chat room uh, sent me a message about you while she was listening to your to your to your poetry, and she wanted to know how young you were, and um, you know I told I, I told I didn't know, but you know the, the point that I'm making is that at whatever age you're at, that's very insightful, and then for you to have orchestrated that, it just kind of co-signs on what I'm about to say on this show, which is uh, when it comes to the civil rights movement. Uh, what in the hell have we done with the legacy that was left before us uh, as we came along as black individuals? So that poem, that poetry was very, very, very uh, on time and well-placed and well-spoken for this for tonight's topic. Um, 
Thank you for that, brother. Thank you for that. Now, do you have time to sit on the show with us tonight, or were you just stopping through? Yeah, I have time to sit on the show with y'all tonight. Okay, good deal. All right. With that being said, I'm going to go ahead and get right into it, family. Um, you know, the Civil Rights Movement. Now, I made a reference earlier in the show uh, about the Civil Rights Movement beginning in 19... Well, actually, the, uh, being recognized in 1948. Now, y'all know... If you don't know anything else about me, you know that I like to look up and research the topics that I talk about, which means, hey, I've done my homework on this one, as always. Now, some people want to argue and say, well, you know, the, the civil rights thing came about in 1964. Well, it started before then, family, because before they were forced to give us the rights that they gave us. Now, I said a key word. I said forced, because these people didn't come along and say, oh, oh by the way, I'm going to do this for you because I like you. Hell no. They came along and they were forced through nonviolent means to give us our rights. Now, with that being said, in 1948, the president, Mr. Truman, signed an executive order, and the, no, the order number is 9981, which states, it is hereby ordered or declared the policy of the president that there shall be equality of treatment and opportunity for all persons in the armed forces without regard to race, color, or religion, or national origin. Okay? That's important, family. Why do you think that that was signed in 1948? Do most of you know and realize that that was just a few years after World Wars One and Two? Do, does anyone know the contributions that African Americans made during the time of World Wars One and Two? Because they were in this country. No, we don't, and that's very significant because in this day and age, how many people can honestly step up and say the military has really and truly become a place of equality? The first time I was ever called the N word was when I was in the service in 1986, family. I had to wonder, I had to ask myself, why am I here serving an entity or a group of people that feels the way that they feel about me as a black man at the end of the day? And so with that being said, guess what my challenge was? Either I stay or do I go? Where do my loyalties lie? Because I was always taught and learned by my family and those before me that the best way to go was through the military. You see, we teach each other the bad habits and the dependency things that we have going on in society. That's why I put that story out there, because I was taught that, but I learned the hard way. That's not the case. This country, this government is not our friend, family. People need to understand that. Let's get on with some more facts. The Supreme Court in 1954 rules on the landmark case, Brown versus the Board of Education, unanimously agreeing that segregation in public schools is unconstitutional. So guess what? Prior to that, they didn't want us in school with them, family. Prior to 1958, and even then, it still had to be enforced. They used the military, the government, of, the government army, the National Guard, to say, no, we don't care what the president or anybody else says. We don't want you in our school systems. We don't want you having equal rights. These people tried to fight against that. Let's keep it moving, family. 1955, 14-year-old Chicagoan Emmett Till was visiting his family in Mississippi when he was kidnapped, brutally beaten, shot, and dumped in a river, uh, all because he allegedly uh, whistled at a white woman. Two white men. J.W. Millam and Roy Bryant are arrested for the murders, but they were later acquitted by an all-white jury. They later boast about committing the murder in a Look Magazine interview. The case becomes a cause uh, for the civil rights movement in 1955, okay? Emmett Till, how many people remember Emmett Till? The young boy who was kidnapped and killed because he allegedly whistled at a white woman. 
Guess what? 1957, Martin Luther King established the Southern Christian Leadership Conference. That's, that's that group of black people that are on TV in Atlanta. That's that group that that's that's that group that are on that are on TV right now here in Atlanta arguing about the leadership of the of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference. Now, I put that out there to say this, not to embarrass them family, but to say this. As African Americans, black Americans, however you all want to be identified, the struggles that we have today are the exact same struggles that we seem to have faced years ago. Now, I don't know about the rest of y'all. I'm not a mathematician, but explain this one to me. If I go down and I work a problem on the board, and at the end of the day, I'm still dealing with the same damn issue, how much headway have I made? Basically what I'm saying, family, is in today's day and age, if we're still dealing with the same crap, the same segregation, and I say segregation because, believe it or not, we are segregated. Yes, we are. And I will explain that to you later in the show when I start talking about the financial institutions, when I start talking about the enforcement of child support laws, when I start talking about the enforcement of the laws in this country, even in the military, how certain people are not being promoted or certain people are being railroaded out of the military because of their gender or because of their color. Yeah, we are still segregated, family. But here's the thing. If we're still dealing with the same issues today that we had to deal with back in the 50s or back before that time frame came where these things were signed into law, what's the problem, family? Where have we gone wrong? Mr. Big, I know you're on the line. What do you think about what we put out there so far? Yeah. True indeed. All is correct, you know. Right now, like, in the sense of the question that's being asked, you know, the first thing you have to attack, though, and it would seem like that you have to attack ourselves because this is the way society has created this this this, this, this tragedy within the mind, you know, because we attack one another. How can you attack the son and daughter, the father, attacks the son and daughter. The mother attacks the son and daughter of blacks. You mean, you know, just like how you you asked earlier on the show when I was listening in about the accomplishments, for those that are up in age doing the accomplishments, you know, they look down on the ones that are growing up to not know what's really what's going on in the past. It's a gap that needs to be filled, but the gap would never be felt when you're pushing them away for what they do and the trends and styles, you don't want them to be them. You want them to be the traditional way that these people taught you in your mind and you feel like that is right. Mm-hmm. You got a rebel, you got a reverence of hearts that is like, nah, we don't want to do this. We want to do it like this because this is our way. See, everyone thinks that you have to put things in a traditional format, but every so often you're going to have something else that grows within that comes with its own traditional way. True indeed to the fact that you have celebrities that are up in age, you know, I give them highly credibility and respect, but a lot of things that they speak on towards the generation that is coming along, you know, they speak against instead of speaking with. That's just the goals and the say of how slavery was implanted in the mind. You feel what I'm saying? To the fact Mm -hmm. that, you know, if if you're going to go against me, you're doing the same thing. Nothing never really changed. Only thing that changed is that we've marked from these type of people uh, for getting whips on our back to getting it. You know, whips comes with gestures, too. You know, and that's the greatest of whips. The greatest of whips is gestures because, you know, stress kills. That's, that's not a bullet. It's stress that kills, and stress comes from gestures of those that beat you down with words. So to, to say this 
is to say that, you know, you must first learn to talk with these and understand the youth because no matter what, those of up in age will soon rot not just as an apple, but those that are coming up broad in age will get what? To, to learn as an essence of, you know, being a child to grow up and you teach this, guess what? They will become whatever you want them to become. But if you take them and put them in a systematic program, they're going to become how that systematic is. And when they rebel against that, you feel that they are wrong when they are actually right. Because they have their own mind state to do what they choose to do. But make them choose to do things in a sense that where you see better fit. Because the, like you just said, in reference, the past is no different than the future. The past creates the future. The present creates the future. The future don't create the past nor present. You see, we go to the future, the past, the present, creates the future. Mm. And the thing about it is, traditionally, everything is traditionally coming from the mind state. You have to attack the mind state of our own kind. Our own kind have to recognize we are the ones that make the kids do what they do. And I, growing up as a youngster, I've experienced my own kind being against me. Even during the state as dealing with the, the, the penal system or the court system, you can say, like, why would you have neighborhood watch watching your the people that, you know, like my grandma used to tell me, well, back in the days, all the doors used to be open, and anybody can walk in and out. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't no stealing. It wasn't this. It wasn't that. But why would you put people to watch over these same people that really are their own loved ones? Mm. But in this other neighborhood, the segregated ones, which was what you just spoke on, there's no neighborhood watch signs standing out there. You don't see that. <laughs> Where's the sign that says neighborhood watch? Why, why do you why, why why do you have to watch your own peoples when you know these same people? You know his aunt. You know his that's your cousin. You know these people. You know these people. You know. And once his face hits the news, guess what? You against him. Why are you against him when you actually know that man hard? He just ate at your table last night. <laughs> why would you make a statement that I didn't know he was like that? You know he's not like that. You should be down there with your picket. And that's not him. That's the thing between the generation gap. One thing I would do respect about the past, they stuck together as a whole. You just can't speak on one and don't and all of us don't stand up. Now in this day and time, you speak on one and everybody run from it because oh, we don't want to look like that. But really it ain't like that. They painted this picture and you you, you looked at it and bought the picture, you know. Mm. Reality. Mm. You know, it's reality. You know, I'm, I'm I'm gonna say this. You know, and I, and I, boy, you coming with it tonight, bro. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to take my hat off to you on this. You coming with it? Nothing but truth and power out there. But I'm gonna tell you something. You know, and I'm I want to provide an example as far as the judicial system goes of what you're talking about. I've said I've had the pleasure of being on the opposite end of the table as a defendant. I've had the pleasure of sitting in the jury box as a participating as a juror here recently, um, and in both instances. I won't say this to you. Those other people that sat on the jury, those people that were of non-color descent, I'm going to say it as politely as I can, those people I call the other people, were prepared to come into that courtroom in each instance and to listen to the facts. And they didn't want to hear some, some, some blown-up, dramatic version of what the prosecutor thought happened. But in each of those instances, the people of color had already made their minds up prior to uh, 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 the other side, even being able to give their 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 version of what happened, and had already declared the person guilty. Now, what is that saying? 
I believe it's just what this young man is saying. In today's society, black folks are their own worst damn enemies. We are creating slip and falls for ourselves. We are sending ourselves to the gallows. Let me tell you all something, family. In each situation that I've ever been in, 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 whether it be professional or whether it be social or, or personal, my problems didn't come from white folks. I don't have any ill feelings towards them. I don't like the way they treated my people back in the day. But guess what? As it stands right now, my beef is not with them. My beef, if there is a beef, is with my own people in particular, and I hate to put it out there, but I do believe they have come at us through our women, folks, more than anything. Because you look at the social status. It used to be white man, white woman, black man, black woman. Okay? Guess what? It's not like that anymore. It's white man, black woman, white woman, and black man at the bottom. Now, for those of you who don't believe me, look around and take a reality pill. What do you think about that, brother? Yeah, you're true indeed. You, once again, you're correct, you know, mm-hmm. and that's the, that, that's the best way to attack from the aspect of the woman. You know, take it back to the history. They attack from the aspect of the woman. Let the, that's let, right. let, the, let the slave master see the man get beaten with the, the eyes of the woman. She to look at him as being weak, you know that's just like why would a black mother if you lay down with this black man and he's not there at the time of the birth of the child or during the period of the child's life, but you don't understand his situation. You have to really look inside every aspect of something before you can speak on it. If you make a gesture and not seeing a clear view, you gonna let off some esteem to someone's mind and heart. And it could be frivolous, not even letting off the, the truth indeed of what's going on. You spoke Absolutely. correctly. Absolutely. You know, and, and you know something? I'm going to tell you something. I don't fault the system, per se, for being the reason why so many black men are incarcerated. Um, I fault our own people once again because, you know what? At the end of the day, we don't answer jury subpoenas. We don't sit on, we don't sit on jurors on juries. We don't participate in the system the way other people do. Therefore, we provide an opportunity for our people to get hung when they shouldn't be hung. Now, I'm not going to say that there are some brothers that are incarcerated that shouldn't be incarcerated, because, of course, we do. We got people in our group that do some terrible shit just like everybody else does. We got people in our group that belong behind bars just like everybody else does. But guess what? Too many of our innocent people have been sent to the gallows unnecessarily. It's time to wake up and make a stand. It's time to look at what this brother's talking about right now, and which, which is the reason why we're doing this show based upon the civil rights era, because we have truly taken and squandered what those people have provided for us as opportunities to become a better people. Let's think about that. When those people were on strike, when they had jobs to go to, when they refused to go to work, when they did go to work, them people had to walk to work. They carpooled. They would get together, and some people would quit their jobs. People lost their homes. People made sacrifices. Don't you know that their kids were pulled out of schools? Because guess what? They were fearful for their kids' lives. Whatever it took, they made the sacrifice to say, you know what? We're sick and tired of this. Now, let's imagine for one minute that none of that took place. None of, none of those things had taken place, and all those people that were then in the civil rights era never make, stood up and made the sacrifices that they made, guess what? We would still be wallowing in the same bowl of shit that they were wallowing in when it comes to civil rights and equal rights today. We would still be sitting dealing with Jim Crow laws right now today if those people had not said, you know what, enough is enough. 
we're going to make a stand, and we're going to make a change. No one can convince me that that is not the case. No one can. Let's take a break, family. We're going to pay some bills. You're listening to the Don Adams Jr. Talk Show. Guess what, family? The number to call in, for those of you, I see y'all in the chat room coming in. But for those of you who want to call in, the number to call in so you can talk to my man, Big Man, and myself is 718-664-6543. All right? Stick with us, family, and we're going to be right back. Deep in my soul, I wish you happy. 
Welcome to your Black Money Minute, presented to you by BlackMoneyMatters.com. You know, when two people decide to get married, it's a pretty exciting time. But it also brings up a lot of hard questions. One of these questions is, how exactly are you and your spouse-to-be going to merge your money? The first step in doing this is to start discussing your financial goals. A good exercise to get this going is for each partner to make a list of his or her short-term goals, like paying off a credit card, getting a new car, or even going on a vacation. Then begin to list your long-term goals, like retirement or having a baby. From there, you should be able to determine which of these goals are a priority to both of you. Then, once you've identified these goals, you can focus your energy on achieving them. This is Gil Michelle. That was your Black Money Minute, presented to you by BlackMoneyMatters.com. To get more information and receive our free newsletter, visit BlackMoneyMatters.com. Welcome back, family, to the Don Adams Jr. Talk Show. We're talking about the civil rights era. We're talking about the fact that so much has been laid down before us as African Americans, and I'm talking to you, African Americans in particular. And I think the question that's important is what have we done with the legacy that was placed before us? We squandered it. And I used the parable about the son who squandered the father's livings after he worked a lifetime to establish generational wealth for the family, and he died and left it to the son to manage and to go forward with it and to grow it. And the son, in turn, squanders the father's wealth. What have we done? We squandered, in my opinion, uh, what was laid out before us. We're very fortunate tonight to have a, a young brother, uh, and I see the 229 numbers. I'm assuming he's in the, in the Georgia area. Um, but he was very insightful upon calling onto the show last week. And family, I decided to, and I you know, found out uh, that he does poetry and um, does a very good job of it at that. And a uh, very insightful young man. We decided to have him on as a guest on the show again tonight. Very fortunate to have him to bring to us another generational twist to it. And so far, the brother has put some very powerful things out there about the disconnect from one generation to to the next. And also, uh, he tapped on something that I mentioned, which was that, you know, the best way to fight us is to go through us, but not to, through us as men, but through our women. And a lot of women have an issue with that. A lot of women seem to feel like, you know, I, I, you know, I'm speaking out against you. But, you know, I said in the beginning of the show that when you listen to this particular show today, try not to think of it as a you concept. Think of it as a us, as a group. You may be a good woman. You may be a good man. You may be somebody who's doing what you need to do. But what about somebody else that you know? And trust me, we all know somebody who's trifling, if not one or two or three or more of them that are not doing what they're supposed to do. That could be that woman or that sister who's angry with that man because he don't want her ass anymore, so she decides she's going to put him in the system. Or that could be that brother who's trifling, don't want to do what he want to do, what he's supposed to do anyway because guess what? You just feel you don't want to do it for whatever reason. Okay? So instead of looking at us as a I situation, take it out as a group. And then once you focus on it as a group, as, an, as us as a people, I really believe that we'll be able to see why is it that, after all of the sacrifices that have been made, Meg Evers, Emmett Till, 
you know, and I haven't even gone through the rest of this that information that I have here. Uh, about We haven't even gotten to 1964 itself when the 24th Amendment abolished the poll tax. People remember that we originally had been, this was originally instituted in 11 southern states after Reconstruction, was uh, after the Civil War, and it made it difficult for poor black people to vote. All of that was abolished, and then we now have all of the rights and access to all of the sources of education, Internet, everything that's out there, why can we not do better as a people? That's why I'm bringing that up. Why can we not do better as a people? You know, let's look at it as a group instead of an individual I thing. What you think about that, big man? I know you tune in with us. Yeah, like you said, as a group, I feel that wholeheartedly because as a group, you can get a lot of things accomplished. But like I said, you have to get the group to sit down at the round table together. But when everybody got different gestures on one one another as in the black community we look we point the fingers at each other instead of putting our minds together mm-hmm. and, you, and you know that's the one thing that our forefathers had in the civil rights movement era was when they got tired of the poll tax and during the summer of 1964 right, right january 23rd is when the poll tax was abolished but during the summer of 1964, the Council on Federation Organizations at a network of civil rights group, includes the group CORE and the group SNCC, launched a massive effort to register black voters. And during that time, it was called Freedom Summer, okay? It's called the Freedom Summer. That was when those, those workers in Mississippi came up missing because they were out there trying to register people to vote. Now, you know why I bring that up, family? We go above and beyond and out of our means to make sure that people in the Iraqi election can vote that live here and that claim citizenship in the United States of America. We can enable these people to vote way around the damn country. We can set up polls and make their votes count in their country, okay? But yet and still, when we had the Katrina, the Katrina issue, all of a sudden all those people who became displaced because of that incident, uh, that natural disaster, couldn't vote. All of a sudden, there was no way to count their vote. We couldn't locate these people to help them vote. But yet and still, you can help people from another country vote in an election across the world. Now, when they started talking about George Bush and how he stole votes and it was a crooked election, let me tell you something. In my personal opinion, I can't live in Fulton County and go vote in Clayton County. I have to be in Fulton County in order to vote, okay? There was no natural disaster that caused those people to be here. They came to this country because they wanted to. But why is it that we were able to make sure that their voice was heard in an election, but we can't even do the same damn thing for our people right here in the United States of America? That's why I brought that up. How tragic and double-faced is that? What do you think about that, big man? I got a piece that I got a piece that goes with just the comment of what you said, and I would like to. Well, I tell you what, sir. You go right ahead with it. We'll give you the stage, sir. Run with it. Okay. The name of the piece is called As the Wind Blows, We All Need to Slap That Bitch America. No one knows what's on the other side, the other side of life. But in my prayers, the blessed grace lets me know there's a better place than this place. We all need to slap that bitch America. Where life seems to be such a disgrace, kids don't even mind their parents anymore. Majority on a high speed and in the fast lane, never slowing down to thank God for today. Nevertheless, before they eat, said their grace. The penal system is the industry that keeps daddies locked away, making the mother give up from too much hardship. 
Go to any ghetto and look at the loneliness on a kid's face, growing with no love, so they imitate the destruction they face. By 13, indicted for only living how they was breeded to live. Now the judge wants to charge them with an adult case. It could still be about race, but many a times it's neglect and abuse and drugs that slap prejudice in the face. As the wind blows, I walk cautious out the torment at night into the scarred day. I wonder if death was living, what would life have to say? This bitch named America won't repent, even if Keisha Cole had God's closest angel helping harmonize heaven sent. There's a war going on. The economy is being destroyed. A recession is a lesson to the people. America won't pay her rent. She's a prostitute for money. By the truth in Iraq, it's convoluted and ambushed. Damn you, Bush. Your country is bleeding. New Orleans can't even lean on FEMA. And you wonder why young minds are stimulated off Kush. As the wind blows, let's pray to God to give us a push. As the wind blows, we all need to slap that bitch, America. Mm-mm. Very powerful, man. I don't know where you came from, brother, but that was on time. <laughs> you know what, family, if y'all want to call in and talk to this brother, because y'all know also today is Shout to Business Out Fridays for all you entrepreneurs that are out there. Uh, 718-664-6543. Call in and talk to this brother. Um, I see the family in the chat room. Uh, you know, sending the comments in, but y'all need to call in. I, I keep getting in some messages over here too. Y'all call in and talk to this brother, man, because he's very in tune. But uh, you know, I appreciate that, man. That's hot, man. That is hot, man. You know what? I'm gonna tell you something else too, big man. I told the producers about you, and uh, I'm, I was told to give you some information. So okay. you know, either uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm told to give you some information. So I you know, I, I know you know how to contact me uh, offline. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna send you my personal number offline. And uh, I want you to give me a call because my producers want me to give you some information. But we'll leave that at that. That's another conversation. But let's get back to the civil rights thing, family, because I believe that in order to deal with what's going on now, people need to know about the best examples that are out there, which is the past, because you know what? The past can never be changed. The past is always going to be what it is. If you went, th- if you went through something, it's there. It can't be changed. Now, like my man mentioned in one of his, speech, in one of his uh, 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 episodes earlier in the show, was the past dictates the future. And I truly believe, family, that we have forgotten, and most of us have become so arrogant, that we have simply overstepped the sacrifices that have been made by our forefathers uh, when it came to the Civil Rights Movement. Let's move up to 1965. Black nationalists and founder of the Afro-American Unity was shot, uh, Unity Group is shot to death. Uh, it is believed that the assailants uh, are members of the black Muslim faith which Malcolm and recently abandoned and had recently abandoned in favor of orthodox uh Islam, okay? Now, I say that to say this, that is an example. They're talking about the death of Malcolm X family. That is an example of how we have turned on ourselves in in some of the worst way. You know, when other people see groups of people or animals turn on themselves, they call it cannibalism. And you know what they say when they look at cannibals? They say, "You know what? Leave them be because that's what they are. They're going to finish themselves off." That's what has happened to us, family. They have left us alone, and we are now finishing ourselves off. Because in my opinion, we have become cannibals upon each other socially. That's a fact, okay? Um, still in 1965, on August 10th, Congress passed the Voting Rights Act of 1965, which makes it easier for some blacks to vote. Now, keep in mind, family, earlier in the show I mentioned that, you know, what they passed, uh, they, re- they ratified one of the amendments and did away with the poll tax to make it easier for us to vote. Well, here we are t- 10 to 15 years later, in 1965, they're doing the same thing again. They've repeated the same thing. Listen to what I'm saying, family. The system has repeated itself again, and they had to go back in 1965 and say, you know what, 
we still ain't got it right. Now we need to pass a federal law, or another law, that still says, look, let these people vote. They used to make black people have to take literacy tests, poll tax taxes. They used to have poll taxes and literacy tests and other requirements that were so restrictive, blacks were not able to vote because guess what? They couldn't pass these requirements. They even had somebody to count the bubbles on a bar of soap. In order to in order to vote, who's going to sit down and lather up a bar of soap and say, "Hey, when you finish counting the bubbles on a bar of soap, then you can vote"? How damn ridiculous is that, family? But I say that to say this: people fought and laid down their lives in order for us to achieve what we are able to achieve now. Imagine what these people had to go through back in the day when they had to go through and deal with those things that are out there, and you know, make the sacrifices in order for us to be able to have this radio show, in order for us to do the things that we're doing in order for us to, to be able to go to school and to become educated. Let me read this piece to you, family, because I think this is a very appropriate piece. And for those of you who want to call in and give us a shout, guess what? I'm going to put the number out there again. It's, six, I'm sorry, it's 718-664-6543. You listen to the Don Adams Jr. Talk Show, and that's right. We're talking some hardcore facts about the civil rights movement. Let me read this to you, family. The civil rights movement that spanned the following years, spanned the years following the Brown versus Board of Education decision of 1954 through the passage of the Voting Rights Act of 1965 marked a watershed period that accomplished far more than the elimination of racial barriers. It led to the overwhelming transformation of American social, cultural, and political life, changes to prevailing nations about the citizenship's rights of blacks. For example, coupled with the redefinition of the role of the government, coupled with a redefinition of the role of the government and the courts in protecting these rights, continue to bolster the human rights of all Americans, regardless of their, of their skin color, okay? Now, I put that out there to say this, family. In this society, and one, a lot of the things that I talk about on this show are the social systems that we have all become so dependent upon. And I always started out with child support, the criminal justice system, with the judicial, with the, the juvenile justice system, with the courts. Family, we still don't get it. You know what they've done? They have taken the thing that they have taken the practices and the things that they used to do back in the day, and they've hidden and molded those things and reshaped them into other tools, into other entities. Okay, that's what they literally have done, and they sold just like my man said right up here. If they sell you a picture and you buy it, who's who's really selling wolf tickets? You the fool for buying it, or are they the fool for selling you a, for selling you a wolf ticket to a picture or to a show that really doesn't exist? So at the end of the day, that's where we are, family. We're living in a mirage. It's like I made a reference to the other day on the show. We live in the matrix, and however many people want to take the pill and wake up, we will see. But we live in the matrix. We think about that, big man. Yeah, true indeed, and I like to comment on that when you spoke on that to the fact that, you know, everything from the past is only modernized today. Mm-hmm. It's only modernized. That's the way that you put it. It's only modernized, and we're walking in a situation that we're still in the past, but today it's like this is supposed to be accepted, you know, from prison to plantation, from welfare to everything. Me, myself, with the care of welfare, you know what I'm saying, that that should have never been inputted on the blacks because it it, it, it puts you in a content stage with black mothers. You know, you have so many black mothers, like back in the past, so many black mothers that wanted to get out. They were workers. They wanted to get out and do things. But if you set them at home and to do nothing and you give me a, a, a check, you know, I feel like I got something. But I'm never creating nothing out of my life. 
that just like going to school, like you would say, to vote, they would want to count the bubbles. You know, blacks couldn't read in the back, in those days, you know, back in the days and stuff of that nature to the fact that, okay, once we get to learn this education, we're getting it and we're getting it, but then fundamentally, what are we learning? You know what I'm saying? Because in history, when I say history, I mean in the days of, I'm going to cut it short because if I go too deep within slavery, you you can't understand the gap because, you know, within slavery. No, 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 no. Speak your mind, bro. We're we going to fill it. I'm going to help you fill in the gap because I think I know where you're going. But yeah. you go ahead and put okay. it out there. Put it out there. I'm going to fill it in. If you don't, if you don't spit it out oh, there so that the family can get it, I'm going I'm to I'm fill it in for you. Go with it. Okay. Because in slavery, you know, our boss, no one could read. Like, just a, a recent phone call with my grandmother. She told me her mother couldn't read, you know. And to look at that situation that's saying, okay, this woman, this black woman could not read, you know what I'm saying? Now look at the generation that has came along that the struggle they went through to learn how to read. You know, it was illegal. You get beat if you can read and teach the other blacks. You know what I'm saying? Now we all can read. Now it's no thing to read. Now you got them running to learn how to read, and you got some running who don't care nothing about reading. You know what I'm saying? It's like, where did we go wrong within that? Like I said, like you said earlier, it's within ourselves that we went wrong. You know, in the mind, as I said it again, goes back to the mind. We point the finger at one another. We we beat down one another with gestures, words. You know what I'm saying? To the fact that we, as a whole, can't come together. And it, you know, and that's the stereotype, but also reality. It can be stereotypical and reality. That's in my in in my theory eyes why the the media hate games. You know why? Because they come together. It's not the crime. Because the crime sometimes be to make money anyway. You know, it's because they stick as a whole. But if a broad mind comes together as that whole and say, this is what we're going to do, and we march this way, like when Farrakhan called the first million-man march, look at all those people. But if he said that all y'all had to read a book, how many people would have came? No, no. <laughs> That's what I'm not, saying. Not a you know, one of them. What's the cause when you take action? You know, the first to sit at the table, you must know the cause to sit down. As our ancestors did years ago, they knew the cause. They knew the reason that they were standing up to fight for this because we couldn't do this or we couldn't do that or we wanted to do this. You know what I'm saying? Now that we can do those things, you know, it's not implemented in the, in the, in the perfected way to make the new generation and the within generation take heed and want to go beyond. First and foremost, we all have our own mind state. It's just like me. Systematically, I don't believe school within itself is not – a, a, it's not a greater expense for any any youngster, you know, because I'm, I'm, me, myself, I'm not present, I'm not race, I'm a humanist. I'm, we all are humans. You know what I'm saying? So the fact in this is that, you know, to learn is to grow, excel to excellence. You can never not stop learning to learn. But to know something about living is to learn something that's going to make your life worth the benefit. You put yourself in a school, you're putting yourself in a systematic state. Over in another country, which is this country right here, you can go to China and they go to school to sixth grade. Why do we have to go to 12? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Not, not, not only that, it, over here, what we do, you know, we put ourselves on a pedestal. We want to pamper everything. Why pamper in the black generation and in the black culture and from our black ancestors? Those that's what the strength. That should be the motivation to say, okay, we can continue forward with what we got to do, and we can continue forward. But we got to come together as a whole. The 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 older ones, 
blacks, when I say older blacks, you know, and the younger blacks, for one, that gap got to be filled. If that gap is never mm-hmm. filled, you know, it will never be anything, for one, because the other don't understand the other. When you're an old, wise person and you're saying that he won't listen, why would, why why don't he listen? It's a question you should ask yourself. That's just like a mother trying to talk to her child. You don't you don't direct the child about saying, this is what you're going to do, and I'm right because I'm your mother. You have to listen because they got a mind, too. Everyone has a mind to come from, so you have to listen to what goes on within their mind and what beats in their heart as well because situations occur and everybody's lives are different. Mm. Very well said. Very well said. I mean, man, it's almost like you reading my damn my show format for me because that's some of the stuff I got on. You talking about? I'm, I'm, you reading my stuff? All right. Well, let me go. Let me see if I can. Let me see if I can come behind you. All right. I also have on here listed some of the reasons which he's already touched on. <laughs> Our people have been pimped by the government, but we've been pimped by other races. And I'm gonna tell you, the worst part is that we are being pimped by our own people. Um, you know, and that's a fact. You know, I talked about some of the Jesse Jackson things that are out there and how this brother came to power or came to be as a social leader as he put himself in that position. Some of y'all need to go research that. I'm not going to go back over that. But at the end of the day, black folks have been getting pimped since we've been here, since the beginning, okay? We've been brought here forcefully. We've been getting pimped. And, you know, I read a statement by somebody who said something that, you know what, they're making a big fuss about all the folks that are here illegally. Well, you know what, I think the, 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 the people that understand the illegal immigration issue the best are the Indians because everybody, white, black, and whatever, are illegally here because ain't nobody asked for permission to come here and force those Indians on those reservations. So if you want to look at it like that, folks, we're all illegal as far as I'm concerned. And I think that personally they need to make it, easier for these folks to come into the country, but don't just let them walk in and do what they do. But let's go back to the topic. Our people are being pimped by the government. How are we being pimped by the government, family? Guess what? Every single time you pick up that phone or you go down to one of those offices and you put a brother into the system or you put whatever in, guess what you're doing? You're pimping your own people. And once again, yeah, I know folks are going to say, I, 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 I. But if you look at it as a whole, let me ask you a question. You mean to tell me that there's a specific reason why there are more black men incarcerated than others, why more black men are on, the, are on paper than others, why more of our women are suffering from diseases than others, why more of our black children are being aborted than others? You mean to tell me that that's not by the, some type of design? That's an awfully strange coincidence that black people tend to lead in every negative category, including all of the social systems that are in place. That's not by chance, family. That's by design. Other races. You know what other people, you know what a white man told me once about black people? He said, you know what, Don? He said, you're a pretty good guy, you know. He said, you you speak your mind. X, y. I said, yeah, what's your point? Get to it. You know, he said, but you know what? The rest of y'all, he said, nobody's ever going to want to do anything for y'all because you know what? Y'all don't stick together. Why should anybody give you something to help you get ahead when you don't even appreciate each other? Because they're afraid to deal with you. That's where the fear of black people comes from. We don't even appreciate each other. But yet still we want somebody to give us something. It doesn't work like that. The next thing I'm moving to is the reason why we're failing. We talked about our women. Our women, that's right. Our women. I put our women at the top of the list because I'm going to tell you all something, fellas, and I stand firm on this. Number one, we can't do it without our women. Other folks have realized that. So what they've done to widen the gap is they've made us 
black men the criminals or whatever they have to do to demasculize us, and they've given our women great things. They've given them more opportunities. There are more black women now walking around their own houses, have jobs, making more money than black men than there ever has been. They've given them, in their opinion, the social holy grail, and they separated us from them. There are more women walking around right now saying, I don't need a man. I can do it by myself. I can raise this kid by myself. I don't need a man to keep this house. I don't need a man for this. You're wrong, sister. You need a man. It's a, it's a mirage. You are living in the matrix. Wake up. Because at the end of the day, you may have it now, but the man is supposed to be there to maintain it and make sure that you have it, whether you know that or not. Men have a role to play in your life. So they've gone at us through our women. And right now, black men and black women are so disconnected, it's unreal. You know, back in the day when Rosa Parks had that incident on the bus, the brothers stood, and I hate to say it, but you know what? It was a woman that stood up first and said, I had enough of this. It was a woman in each one of these incidents that stood up and said, you know what? I want you to do something about this. Our women caused those men to stand up and do something about it. So what am I saying to you, family? In effect, the strongest thing on the, in the, on the face of this earth is the ego and the mindset of a black woman. There was nothing stronger than that. And that's what we need, family. We need to reconnect with our women the same way our folks did back in the day when they were fighting for civil rights. We're not going to be able to do it by ourselves. What you think about that, big man? Yeah, true indeed again. Because as I would say like this, you know, a strong black woman is a man a long way. Just like mm-hmm. this, look at the past history, how things have came where black women don't even like to have kids. <laughs> and now if you look at your aunties and your grandma, <laughs> they got 15 children. How do you think? And all of them lived together, and all of them was taken care of. Now today, if you got two babies, you, 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 you're being titled to be degraded. But where did that come from? Who, who shot that in the, in the side of the rim? What, it, it, it's a blessing to have children. The woman that begets the most children is the greatest of all. Your grandma yeah. had 20 kids. That's good because that's what you're here for, to reproduce. Everything on, on this earth reproduce. Why would, you, why would you abort that? Why would you stop that? You know what I'm saying? Why would you stop that reproduction? But you, mm-hmm. Everybody had a bigger family. The, the, the thing about it is to have a family. They're just like this. You got the census bureau count. You you label the black as minority. How can you label the black as minority when you got one 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 female with 